Welcome to Generational Wealth MD's podcast on financial freedom through investing in real estate. My name is Param Baladandapani. I'm a mom, radiologist, real estate investor, and mentor to others looking to start or scale their real estate portfolios. Thank you for being here today. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with inspiration, strategies, and insight so that you can stop trading your time for money and live life on your terms. If you love the episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. So today, I wanted to take some time and I wanted to talk about a question that comes up a lot. Um, It's something that I struggle with and it's something that I find a lot of people asking within the Creating Generational Freedom program. Um, And, you know, in general, I'm seeing investors across the country ask this question. And the reason I picked this topic for this week was because um, last week I was running numbers with a member of with of uh, creating generational freedom who was actually in escrow for a short-term rental in florida it was worth around eight hundred thousand dollars and you know there was a little bit of back and forth going on he was doing due diligence we were running numbers stress testing them fine-tuning things and this always happens um, especially when you're at the stage where you actually are getting a property and you have to make those final decisions make sure you lock it in the question always comes up the the worst case scenario always starts playing in your mind right so naturally he was uh, asking questions about what if the market crashes you know i'm getting the short-term rental it's pretty expensive i have a strategy but what if the market crashes am i still going to be okay and that's the question i want to address um, in this week so um i want to start off with some fundamentals right i don't believe in predictions no one has a crystal ball we don't know what's going to happen with the real estate market and when i say market i mean real estate market guys but we are going to talk about fundamentals and i'm going to run two different scenarios for two different kinds of properties just to see what would happen uh, if there was a market correction and we'll bring it back to the fundamentals and we'll bring it back to strategy because in my opinion I don't believe in timing the market. I believe in having a strategy that you can use in any market that is able to weather any market, right? So let's start off talking a little bit about fundamentals. And this is not a prediction. The important thing to remember, and with prices going up so high, um, it's very easy for most of us to go back to the 08 market crash and try to make, you know, comparisons. The important thing to remember is that in 2008, when there was the housing market crash, a big part of it was because of subprime lending and overbuilding, both of which we don't have in the current market, right? So that's a really important thing to remember. Um, In the current market, um, uh, the reason home prices have gone up significantly is because of demand supply mismatch, right? We're just not seeing the supply, the inventory in the market, and that's driving home prices up. Uh, We are in a hyperinflationary market that's also driving up the cost of real assets. And all of us know that, especially because of COVID, suddenly we had supply chain delays, um, building material shortages. All of that increases the price of new bills, which then also raises the prices of existing homes, right? All of that led to this run up where we've seen high double digit home price increases in multiple markets around the country for the last two years right but it's also important to remember where we are now Uh, we are now at a point where interest rates are rising and although historically i mean we're still seeing we still have a low interest rate environment it's 
hard to believe. I believe it was in the 1980s. Interest rates in this country were up to 18%, right? So uh, we still do have historically low interest rates, but interest rates are rising and that is putting downward pressure on the housing market. That's important to remember. And we've seen this huge rise in rent growth and home prices. Um, that's unprecedented and you know it's almost not tenable right so something has to give and it's perfectly all right to say that right now we're in a position where you know market conditions are questionable um, we don't know what's next most of us don't know and which is why it's easy to make predictions and although I don't time the market I still do think it's important to look at these different scenarios and um, and run them in your head so you know you're making the right decisions right that being said seasoned investors in, and and even new investors we have investors within the creating generational freedom program who've in the last month purchased seven million dollars worth of real estate and these are all deals where the numbers make sense right so investors are still buying and i think if i want to bring it back to the fundamentals of investing in real estate which is that your returns from real estate are always going to be fourfold right and I always say this when prices go up and down it does affect your return from property appreciation and that is important but it's important to remember that that's just one part of the entire picture right you have cash flow which is a big part of of your returns as a real estate investor right most of us are looking for deals that are cash flowing so we're going to look to see what happens to that when home prices like in when we're on multiple different scenarios right so even if prices go go down you have cash flow from real estate that's one way you're getting returns you have debt pay down which is another significant way of generating returns in real estate and that is when your tenants are paying down your mortgage right you're taking the rent to pay down your mortgage and the principal portion of the mortgage is actually going towards your equity in that property right so debt pay down is another way where you're getting returns and um, I've um, just to give you an average number cash flow in the current market we're still seeing anywhere from four to seven percent uh, cash on cash returns so re annualized uh, returns from cash flow uh, in strong markets with a basic buy and hold boring strategy you're still seeing that in strong markets debt pay down typically for a long-term buy and hold where you're not doing anything fancy is going to be around six percent annualized right and then you also have your returns from tax savings and a lot of the members in our community are tapping into those tax savings and multiple ways to do it um, you could do it with short-term rentals you could do it if you or your spouse can qualify as a real estate professional so all of those things need to be factored in also and we'll run different numbers to see how that plays out in the long run okay before I actually go into the scenarios I want to quickly go over what I think should be a key part of anyone's strategy when you're acquiring real estate, especially in this market, to make sure that you're able to weather any market condition. Um, and so um, a few things to remember, which I think are key, especially for this market, is that this, especially in the current market, you want to have a long-term strategy. This is likely not the market where you want to be um, flipping properties, especially if you're concerned about a market crash, right? So when you have a long-term strategy, then you're able to weather, uh, you know, a market correction. So that's important to remember. It's still possible to find good deals in this market. When I say good deals, I'm talking about cash flowing properties, right? So you don't want to have a property that you're pumping money into. You want to have a property that is generating returns um, every month, right? Uh, we have members within uh, our community who are acquiring short-term rentals, long-term rentals, just buy and hold turnkey properties, 
small, uh, mid-size and large multifamily properties, all of whom are able to find good deals where the numbers make sense. And then I always talk about, well, if the numbers don't make sense, see how you can boost returns. And there are so many ways to boost returns. The simplest of which are going to be when you value add, where you do a rehab on the property and you're increasing the property price rapidly, you're increasing the rents you can command, or when you're using these tax strategies that I talk about all the time, right? We're going to talk about that in detail in a little bit, but you want to make sure you have a property that is cash flowing, that is putting money in your pocket, right? That is at least cash flow neutral so that you're not putting money into the property. And that's going to be important to be able to weather any market corrections. Um, the next thing is that you want to be able to, um, you want to conservatively underwrite any deal, right? So you want to know to run your numbers accurately and you should be able to stress test each of your deals and run numbers for different scenarios to make sure that this property is going to do okay. If you see a drop in occupancy, if you see a drop in average daily rates for short-term rentals, if you see a drop in rents, and this is where it's important to have a calculator. I know that for the first five years that I was investing in real estate, I was almost winging it. I don't think I was factoring in vacancy or capital expenditures or maintenance in the equation. And so if you're looking for reliable calculators to use, I always direct everyone to Generational Wealth MD's resources section where you can find free calculators for short term rentals um, and long term rentals. So always make sure you're running your numbers and you're stress testing your deal. And while we're talking about stress testing numbers, I want to highlight what happened during during the last market correction, right? Uh, yes, in some markets, home prices dropped 30%. And yes, we are not in the same environment today. But the important thing to remember is that even in that market, right, even with everything um, that was wrong about that market, rents, national rents across the country, right, dropped 4%, I believe, in 08, dropped another 5% in 09, or uh, like a total of 9% before bouncing right back up, okay? And that's the important thing to remember when you're trying to stress test your deals and run numbers for different scenarios, okay? So stressing, stress testing your deals and knowing how to run your numbers is super important. The other important thing for uh, that's a component of a strategy that is really going to help you in this market is having adequate cash reserves right and this is especially true if you have an older property where you may need to put more money in at some point you want and um, you want to be able to do that effectively and you want to have cash reserves for it but also for short-term rentals whenever you're running numbers I always say anyone investing in a short-term rental has to factor in seasonality and therefore you need to have adequate res reserves to be able to get you through okay so that's important and then really important to be responsibly leveraged. I can't talk about this enough. Um, what do I mean by being responsibly leveraged? If you can get 30 year fixed long term debt, um, then you're taking out a lot of assumptions out of the equation, which means that even if there is a market correction, you are able to weather it because you've already run numbers, you have fixed debt, right? Your debt isn't changing. So that's important. That's also a great way to hedge against inflation. Um, so again, if you can get those loan products, great. But if you are getting commercial loan products, then it's really important to stress test your deal and make sure you have adequate equity in the property. That's where you don't want to be over leveraged, um, especially if you think we're in a scenario where um, we could be seeing market corrections, right? So be responsibly leveraged. And then finally, strong market fundamentals you have to pick markets that are um, that have strong metrics so you're looking at industrial diversification job growth population growth income growth right median household income growth um, and those markets typically have strong rent growth so all of this is going to really help you um, you know 
pick a strategy that is going to be resilient. Okay, enough about strategy. I'm going to repeat all of this again um, if you weren't able to catch any of it. But let's talk numbers. Let's run some scenarios, right? So let's see what happens um, if you have a long-term turnkey buy and hold property right now. So um, we're not doing anything fancy with this first example. We're just taking a, a boring buy and hold and seeing how that performs if you were to purchase now versus if you were to wait and purchase it later um, if we end up seeing a market crash, right? Um, and so in so this is almost like running a performa where we're going to take the scenario and see how it, uh, it plays out over 10 years. Again, I say long-term strategy is always the best, especially in this market. So when I'm doing my assumptions, um, just to give you an idea, and if you want to run different assumptions, feel free to go ahead and use the calculators and run your own assumptions. But um, typically, it's normal to use uh, 3% annual rent and home price growth um, when you're trying to build those numbers forward and 2% expense growth. Those are very typical. That's what most underwriting um, uses uh, when they're building out performas, even in the large multifamily space. Now, if you want to do 3% expense growth, that's perfectly fine. But those are the numbers that I used for these scenarios. Okay, so we're going to talk about a scenario. So let's say the question is, um, do I buy a home now if the home is worth $400,000? And I actually ran these numbers for a property in Bakersfield, which is my market. And uh, let's say, interest rates are 5% at this point, right? For someone who's trying to purchase that investment property. And the question is, do I buy it now at 400,000 with a 5% interest rate or do I wait and, um, you know, I expect, and this is worst case scenario, right? For the current market, a 10% correction is probably worst case scenario, in my opinion. I expect maybe a flattening or a, a, a smaller drop, but 10% is, is almost like my worst case scenario for this market. So um, the question is going to be buy now at 400,000 with 5% interest rate versus buying it when I anticipate a crash. I'm not saying I anticipate this, I'm talking worst case scenario, trying to run some numbers here, okay? Where home prices drop by 10%, but interest rates at that point have risen to 5.75%, right? So $360,000 property at 5.75 interest rate at a later point versus buying it now. So let's see what those numbers play out to be. So I actually plugged this into our calculator and I, I ran the numbers to see what it would look like, you know, with property taxes and insurance um, using the same property tax rate, right, that it would be. And so your property tax has actually dropped if you purchase the property at a lower price. So all of that's been factored in. And I came up with, with these numbers. So cash flow in the first scenario, if you buy a $400,000 property, at a 5% um, interest rate, cash flow ends up being around $530 a month, right? And we're still seeing positive cash flow with turnkey uh, properties, long-term rentals in my market with a 6% cash and cash return, right? And the mortgage ends up being around $1,600. Okay, that's that's the scenario. Now, if you were to purchase the same property at uh, after a 10% drop in price at $360,000 with a 5.75% interest rate, the cash flow now is slightly higher. It ends up being $600. So it's up by $70 a month. Not much. That's the important point to remember. Not much. And your cash and cash return bumps up to 7%. But your mortgage in that scenario ends up being $1,570. So it's only a difference of $30. So it's $30 less than the prior scenario. So the point being that is that, you know, even if you see that significant price drop, we know that interest rates are going up. That is almost, um, you know, that's something most of us can agree on. In that scenario with those rising interest rates, the effect on cash flow isn't significant, right? It, it isn't significant. And now we're comparing current scenario to like a possible worst case scenario, right? So we're seeing that. And then 
what 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 would happen to home prices like over 10 years what would happen to this property right so if you look at over 10 years that four hundred thousand dollar property if we were to put in a three percent annual rent growth now you have to remember that national historic property price growth um, historically has been close to four percent but we're using a conservative three percent number right so if you're taking the four hundred thousand dollar property and you're putting um a three percent annual home price increase into the equation, then at the end of 10 years, that property is likely worth $520,000, right? Um, and that property, and if you apply the same 3% rent increase and 2% expense increase to the equation, what you have to remember with rental properties is that your mortgage stays fixed. So although your expenses are increasing at 2% and rent is increasing at 3%, that gap keeps increasing because your largest expense, which is your mortgage, that stays pretty standard, right? So over time at the end of 10 years with those projections, that property is going to have a cash flow which bumps up from $530 a month to $1,250 a month, right? Um, and then over time, again, you've been having debt pay down, which is another way that your equity in that property is increasing. And that happens at an average rate of 6% annually. Now, what happens to the other property that you purchased at $360,000? Now, that property, if you apply uh, the 3% home price increase annually, at the end of 10 years, that property is going to be close to $468,000. Uh, as opposed to the prior example where we're probably at $520,000, right? And so, and then what about cash flow? Uh, cash flow is going to be, again, with the same increase in expenses and same increase in rent over 10 years. The cash flow for that second scenario, the second property that you purchased at a lower rate but a higher interest rate, is going to have the same fixed debt, but cash flow is going to be $1,330 as opposed to $1,250 in the first example. So again, not that much of a difference. So cash flow is not that different. Now, you're listening to me and you're like, Param, what if there was a correction, then that first property probably is also not at $520,000, right? It's probably going to see some correction. And so that's where the assumptions come in, right? So if you purchase a property now and you see some sort of correction, then that property is likely at the end of 10 years going to be close to that $468,000. And so that's where the whole question comes in. Do I wait? I may not increase my cash flow, but am I losing equity in the property because the property value drops? And the truth is that you're not because in both scenarios, property prices are rising. Um, and you put 10,000 less in down payment uh, in the second scenario when you purchase the home at a lower price, but you're paying 10,000 more in interest over 10 years. So if you factor everything in, there isn't that much of a difference, right? Your cash flow is basically the same, not that much of a difference because interest rates rise if you are actually waiting to purchase the pro home at a discount. Your debt pay down is pretty similar in both scenarios. And um, in terms of home price, uh, home prices, if you have a long-term strategy, the property is likely going to increase in value. And then the question is, um, you know, how much is it going to increase in value? And for you to even make this strategy work, the, the, the point is that you need to be right two times. You need to know when to exit and you also need to know when to enter. And that's where most people get timing the market wrong. And, th and this is true for the stock market. This is true for the real estate market. So for you to actually come out positive in this deal and to actually significantly more equity in the property at the end of the day because of catching that that property price rise and not having a property price drop a little bit you almost need to time the market rise right twice but in the while you're holding out you're also losing out on that six percent cash and cash return that you'd be getting you're losing out on that six percent debt pay down and what happens if 
you don't see that 10% drop in home prices. What happens if home prices just plateau or they go down by 5% right? while interest rates are rising? Then you're in a scenario where your cash flow may actually decrease right? because, uh, because now your mortgage payment is actually higher because your interest rate is higher and you may not be seeing any upside to having waited. So that's what you're weighing over here. right? Your cash flow doesn't significantly increase if you wait out because interest rates are rising your debt pay down is pretty similar. And now you're trying to time uh, the market in terms of finding the right price. And you kind of need to be right two times. And if what you anticipate doesn't happen, then you've actually lost out in the game. So that's what I'm trying to get at. But that is our boring long-term rental buy and hold scenario. Now I want to go to the scenario that I was actually running with this member, right? The short-term rental, um, the 800,000 short-term rental in Orlando, Florida. So let's look at those numbers. And, and over there, and this is where I say when you're actually boosting returns, and I think most of us should employ some of those strategies to boost returns, then you're actually going to come out ahead if, you, uh, if you're actually investing right now. So let's look at what his exact scenario was. So he had a short-term rental that he was purchasing for $800,000. And hopefully most of you are doing this. You are able to get a 10% down second home loan. And we talked about this on a previous uh, episode, but you're able to get that 10% down um, loan. Um, and he's only putting 80,000 into that property. And so his question was, what happens if the market crashes so now let's look at best case scenario which is what we were running uh, our numbers for originally right best case scenario based on air dna data that property was generating 30 percent cash on cash return annually right so if you took the cash flow from that property annually and expressed it as a percentage of his um initial down payment which is eighty thousand dollars he was getting 30 percent cash on cash return he was also now if you realize if you think about this when you only have 10 percent down in a property then and you're paying the mortgage down when you're uh, heavily leveraged in a property your debt pay down is actually significantly higher and i actually ran these numbers on mortgage calcul on a mortgage calculator Debt pay down annually for him, you know, the portion of his mortgage that he's paying down that goes towards principal, towards his equity in the property, that's that itself is generating a 15% return for him from debt pay down because he has that 10% down loan product. Okay. And the strategy is for him to self-manage that property and end of the year, um, if he has met criteria for material participation, which he should be meeting, then he's able to conservatively go in and because the property is worth $800,000, he's likely going to be able to shelter close to $200,000 of his clinical income from taxes because of bonus depreciation and his post-tax dollars saved should be close to $80,000, right? And so essentially what he is doing with the strategy, which most of you should try to incorporate if it's possible, if it makes sense to your real estate investing strategy, is that he puts $80,000 in, but um, tax when tax time comes next year, he's hopefully, because of bonus depreciation, because of meeting criteria for material participation, he's able to pull that out. He actually gets that money back um, in post-tax dollars saved on his tax, uh, you know, in terms of his tax refund, right? So that's best case scenario for him. And that's, that's actually a pretty good best case scenario, all right, even in this market. Now, what we wanted to run worst case scenario numbers, right? So we're running really worst case scenario numbers. So let's say 10 years from now, his property has not increased in value in price at all right it, it's just the same price right and let's say that every year he is just breaking even on the property he is not cash flow positive at all all his 
revenue just matches his expenses, right? So he's um, cash flow neutral in his property, right? He still has a property where if you realize he put 80,000 into the property this year, he's putting it in next year, he gets the 80,000 as a tax refund, right? So he has a property which is technically in that infinite return scenario, right? So he doesn't really have money in the property, but the property still has that equity, the $80,000 of equity in the property and say 10 years from now, prices have fluctuated and it's back to the price that he purchased it at right now. He still has that $80,000 worth of equity in that property. Now, in addition to that, remember, because he is uh, he has a 10% down loan, his annualized return from debt pay down is 15%, right? And that's specifically for that example that's what i ran i'm assuming it's going to be very similar for any price property just because of the 10 percent down loan product and how much you're paying back every year if it's amortized over 30 years you can run the numbers for your specific scenario so he has a property with eighty thousand dollars of with which he has no money in right all his money in the deal is out it has eighty thousand dollars of equity in it right uh, and it has 15 because let's just assume his equity hasn't increased because home, his home price hasn't increased at all worst case scenario no cash flow but he also has 15 percent annualized returns from debt pay down in that property so think about it um 80 000 of equity just sitting there right um in a property has no deal uh, no money left in that deal and 15 percent annualized returns from debt pay down even that worst case scenario doesn't sound that bad and so we decided to go ahead and pull the trigger on that property. And so it's very common for these questions to come up, especially when, you know, it's almost more common for it to come up after you've locked the property in. Because before that, all you're concerned about is locking that property in. It's when you have it in your hand and you're going through that due diligence period, that's when the questions always come up. So I'm hoping that listening to these scenarios is giving um, you a different perspective and helping you factor in different things that you should be looking at when you're looking at returns from real estate. Now, this scenario um, factored in tax savings from a short-term rental. The same thing could apply to you if you or your spouse qualifies as a real estate professional. The same thing could be uh, applicable if you're boosting returns by using the BRRRR strategy, which is when you buy a property, you um, rehab the property, increase value, you force appreciation, increase the equity in the property right away without waiting for market appreciation. And you're also increasing your revenue from the property because now you can command um, a higher rate for it or higher rent, right? So um, again, coming back to the basics, just so we can wrap it up, um, timing the market is hard because you have to be right twice as far as getting, um, you know, uh, figuring out what the peak is and figuring out your entry point um, in an environment where interest rates are rising when you're holding out you're likely not going to see a huge spike in your cash flow even if there is a 10 percent market correction like we saw in our scenarios and you could potentially be losing out on tax dollars that you could be saving which again once you've paid that you're not getting that back so if that's part of your strategy that could hugely boost your returns and you're and if you're holding out, you're also losing out on your returns from debt pay down, which can be significant in some examples like we saw. So factor all of these things in, um, you know, if you're anticipating a crash and if the market just plateaus or there's like a two, three percent price drop, then you're not going to see the upside that you're expecting. So just make sure you're factoring all of this in before you make um, any decisions. And I want to bring it back to those fundamentals of safely investing in any market. Remember, have a long term strategy. You can still find good cash flowing properties. See if you can bump up those returns uh, by using value add or by using some of those tax strategies. Most of our members continue to buy 
cash flow positive properties so it's those deals are out there you can find them just make sure you're stress testing your deal make sure you're running numbers conservatively use the calculators again generationalwealthmd.com go to the resources section you can find those free calculators have adequate cash reserves especially if you have short-term rentals be responsibly leveraged if you have commercial loan products make sure you have significant equity in the property make sure when you're underwriting you're underwriting it for multiple different um, scenarios where you uh, you can survive even if you have drops in occupancy um, and a drop in rents always invest in markets with strong fundamentals that is like uh, this is super important because every market performs differently in a correction if you look at the last correction so many markets bounced back pretty rapidly dallas texas didn't even see that much of a dip and then there were markets which still haven't recovered so market fundamentals you cannot ignore that um and uh, and that's it so make sure you use those resources if any of you want to learn how to invest in real estate the right way hop on the wait list for creating generational freedom the next cohort starts in september and um, i think it's super important to know what you're doing and education is the best way of mitigating risk